This is Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill, and today is Tuesday, January the 9th, 2018. And today is a very special day, and it's very special for uh, two reasons. First, tomorrow, God willing that I wake up tomorrow at 5 o'clock a.m. like I usually do every morning. If I wake up tomorrow, I would have reached the age of 45. Tomorrow is my birthday, January 10th, 1970-something. But you do the math. I'll be 45 tomorrow. And, you know, it's very special for me because when I think back, I look at people I grew up with, people that were either my age, slightly older or even younger, who are not here to say that they have reached the age of 45. And when I look back, having served in the military and having been a police officer, uh, two of the most dangerous professions in the world, bar none, to be able to say that I'm still here. I'm still alive. I'm still kicking. I get around a little slower than I used to. I used to be able to run a mile in about seven and a half minutes. That has now turned to about ten and a half minutes, but still not not too shabby for an old dude. Uh, you know, I, I consider myself very blessed to be able to say that I reached the age of 45. It's a milestone. Uh, but at the same time, you know, my life's really just just starting. I'm doing so many things that I could only dream of, and quite frankly, it's still like I'm living a dream. I'm getting to travel across this country to appear on shows. I'm getting called in on national news networks as an expert. You know, and if you would have asked me 20 years ago or 30 years ago, would I be doing that? I would have said, yeah, absolutely not. There's just no way. I have no interest, nor was it a desire. But once I got just that small taste of what we call journalism, I was hooked and it became my passion. And to be able to say at 45, really, that career is just getting off the ground. It's just accelerating. Uh, so I would tell anybody that's you know in their late 30s, early 40s, and they feel that they're not in a place where they should be or where they want to be, hey, life's not over. Life's not only over until you leave this earth. And for a guy, a skinny kid that grew up with big buck teeth and had to wear braces and was unsure of himself. And when he looked in the mirror, he just saw this ugly, skinny buck tooth kid. I'm here to tell you at 45, man, I couldn't imagine my life being any better than it is right now. It's a true blessing. It's a true blessing to still be here. So God willing, if I wake up tomorrow morning, 5 a.m. on the dot, uh, I would have reached a milestone in my life. And again, it's just only beginning. Now, today's a very special day also because today is National Police Appreciation Day. Now, I started my morning off at 4 a.m. I was inside Fox Studios. I was on Fox and Friends first at 4.30 a.m. discussing Police Appreciation Day. And then I ended my day, well, besides doing this podcast, of course, I ended my day at 6.30 on Fox 5 in Washington, D.C., talking again about Police Appreciation Day. 
And one of my talking points for Police Appreciation Day, especially on Fox and Friends First, and it's always great when the network tweets out your segment, which they did this morning. So I was honored by that because anytime they do that, that means the network, the producers, they actually loved your segment. They loved what you had to say. So they tweeted it out. It's on my Twitter feed. If you don't follow me, it's at Vincent Hill TV on Twitter. But one of the, the talking points I had, and I think it's very important, is you know police, if you think about it, think about it real hard, policing, with the exclusion of military and firefighters, it's the only job that asks you to be willing to die for a perfect stranger. Think about that. It asks you to be willing to die for a perfect stranger. Now, you can go to any other job. You can go to my day job, which is credit card fraud in the financial world. They don't ask you if you're willing to die for a perfect stranger. You can go to the 7-Eleven, the Big Gulp, the QT. You can go to any major corporation in this country. And there's not one job requirement that says, are you willing to die for a perfect stranger? And if you can't appreciate someone willing to do that, regardless of their color or their sex or their political belief, if you can't appreciate someone that's willing to do that, you have a big problem. Now, I know there's some people that are saying, what do you mean it asks you to risk your life for a perfect stranger? Well, let's think back. And it's been a while. Some of you may not remember because some of you may have been too young to even remember remember this. You may have just read about it in a class or seen a video on it. But I think back to a day called September 11th, 2001. Now, there was this group of people that were running away from this building that was on fire and it was getting ready to collapse. And then... There was this really special group of people that were running to the building. And they had on this uniform, and on that uniform, it had the word police. And while everyone was running from danger, the police, the men and women in blue, were running to that building to make sure that they were doing what they're sworn to do protect and serve. But On that job application, if you look at the very, 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 very fine, invisible print, the job application of policing is be willing to die for a perfect stranger. Now, how many police officers died on September 11th? How many police officers in the 16 years since September 11th have died because of cancer-related illnesses that they received from the debris of the falling building. Quite a bit. One as recently as the 2nd of January 2018. 16 years later, this detective died from his injuries. He died saving the life of a perfect stranger. I got one more recent that some people may remember because it's not that long ago. It was 2016. And it was a city called Dallas, Texas. And there were five police officers who gave their lives for perfect strangers. And these weren't just any perfect strangers. 
These were perfect strangers that were there protesting the very people that got them to safety. You may remember it. There was this shooter guy who was upset because some guy named Alton Sterling got shot while he was resisting arrest, armed with the gun with police in Baton Rouge. So this guy decided to go to Dallas and kill police officers out of Black Lives Matter movement. But it was those police officers who didn't know anyone in that crowd, I assure you. They definitely wouldn't have been friends on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram. They wouldn't have been text buddies. They didn't know anyone in that crowd. But when the shooting started, regardless of the fact that these people were protesting them, guess what they did? They ran and got them to safety. They directed them to safety. And the five of those that died, died protecting a perfect stranger. It's that fine print, that invisible print on the job application, the job description of a police officer. And again, if you don't appreciate that, you have a problem. If you don't appreciate that, quite frankly, it's un-American in my opinion that you don't appreciate the men and women of law enforcement. Now, one of the other things I did say on Fox News, and it's very true if you think about it, at least it's my opinion, put it that way, for the last eight plus years, and I've said it before on the show, so it's nothing new, police were painted to be the bad guy. So part of the problem is we have a large demographic of people who assume that police are just these bad, untrained, racist thugs. Prime example, this morning, as I'm sitting in the studio waiting to go live, I, of course, as I always do, take a behind-the-scenes video and I talk about, hey, what I'm about to talk about on the show, yada, yada, yada. So I post it, hey, I'm at Fox Studios about to talk about Police Appreciation Day, and I said, I remember the guys running into the building. I remember the guys in Dallas killed, protecting those they didn't even know because it's their job. So, of course, as I do this, I get my mindset, I get my zone, I don't get on social media after I post and I don't read tweets and texts and emails and all that stuff. I focus on the task at hand on what I'm about to say. So I come off the air and grab my phone and uh, a guy that was, and I say was on my Facebook who I, I thought I knew uh, he and I went to journalism school together here in Atlanta. A uh, white guy says his first comment was, when I posted the video, you're full of shit. So I didn't think much of it until I saw his second comment where he says, now keep in mind, this is a white guy. He said, I can't believe that white bitch because she has no idea. And the white bitch he was referring to was Heather Childress, who was the anchor of the show, Fox and Friends first. I can't believe that white bitch. She has no idea what it's like to be profiled by the police and you're just catering to her bullshit. So I immediately blocked him and deleted him as a friend because a, my opinion is this. It's great to debate. Nobody sees eye to eye on anything in this world. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're in a happily uh, forever after marriage, you don't see eye to eye on everything, but what you will not do is disrespect me or call someone out of their name. So I immediately blocked him and I, I got to thinking, A, I thanked him for watching at 4.30 in the morning 
which kind of made me wonder why you're watching Fox if you don't agree with what they're saying at 4.30 in the morning. But B, like the problem of the brainwashing by certain individuals and certain administrations, people don't realize was not limited to just one race of people. There's a large demographic who have bought into this false narrative that police are the bad guys, that police are just out to target certain people, make it hard for certain people, violate people's civil rights, all of this other stuff. And the guy that posted this, I was I was actually surprised that he posted it because he's former military. Uh, he said he was military police, if, if I remember correctly. So I was kind of surprised that he posted it. But then I started thinking, well, no, not really, because for the last eight and a half years, the only thing we've been seeing on the news is how police are just these bad racist thugs who make bad decisions and stupid decisions and, you know, all the stuff we've heard, you know, like at the funeral of these five Dallas police officers that people were there to appreciate, not because it was police appreciation day, but because they were there to appreciate these officers. They heard from the president of the United States at the time, well, the world should feel the pain of Alton Sterling's family. So it's no wonder that people are so brainwashed to the fact that police are the bad guys and they don't respect police, let alone appreciate police. So now we have this huge task at hand to try to get communities and individuals to believe again that police are their friends. Now, again, I told you at the start of the show how old I'll be tomorrow. It's in the 40s. It's in the mid 40s. So, again, I remember coming up and, you know, I grew up military, so I was at a lot of army bases, and but they had public schools. I remember McGruff the crime dog coming to the school, giving out badges telling kids about police, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. It's like, wow, I got this little plastic badge. I can pin it on my shirt. I can go around pretending to be a cop. The cops are the good guys. They're here to help. They're here to protect. They're here to serve. They're here to arrest the bad guys to make it safe for everyone else. Then I fast forward some years while I'm in patrol, and I remember a different take on police. I remember showing up to houses and a mom telling a little four-year-old, don't talk to him, he's the bad guy. Don't talk to him, he doesn't like you. Don't talk to him, he just wants to put you in jail. So now, instead of families and communities teaching kids that police are the good guys because of a false narrative that we've been fed, a false narrative that we've been fed. Now parents are telling kids, no, don't talk to him. He's bad. He wants to take you to jail. He's going to hurt you. He's going to do this. It's no wonder we have a huge population of people who are so misinformed about 
police and what the function of a police officer is. Because truth be told, the function of a police officer, granted they have a gun, granted they have an ass baton, some have tasers, they all have pepper spray, they have handcuffs, they may have a backup gun, they may have a shotgun. They have all of those tools, but the job of a police officer never was to just go out, knock people out, put them in jail, shoot them, beat them up, spray them with pepper spray, beat them with the ass baton. It was to maintain law and order, and it was also to protect, like, i.e., a cat in a tree, a cat in a hat i.e., oh, officer, someone broke in my home. Can you please come out and investigate this? That's the function of policing. But we're in a society now where people assume that the only function of policing is to go out and kill, to go out and kill as many black people as they can. And I had this conversation at work with someone uh, last week because we were talking about the whole uh uh, swatting incident that I talked about a, a couple of weeks ago where the gamer called police and said that he had guns and he had poured gasoline on the house, but it was a scam. It was a hoax and police showed up to a house where nothing was really going on and they ended up uh, shooting a guy. So somehow we got back to this whole, uh, it was a police fault and, they only shot the the white kid because he moved funny, but they shoot black kids all the time. And I said, and see, that's what you've been told. But I said, the truth is, year over year, more white people are killed by police than blacks. And she's like, really? Like, yeah. And I said, I'm not just saying that because I've done the job. I said, you look up the numbers for yourself and don't believe everything you've been told. And her story, her her response was, how come I don't hear about those? Well, it's not designed for you to hear about those because certain individuals, people don't realize, still want certain communities to be brainwashed to certain things. So when things like, oh, I don't know, elections come up, they're going to vote a certain way because, hey, this candidate is against what I'm against. In actuality, that candidate, A, is not against what you're against, and B, is not telling you the facts. So I always tell people to find out the facts for yourself. And this same individual at work asked me why I was a conservative, because she asked me, well, why do you do Fox News? You're black. Well, last I checked, yeah, I've been black for 45 years. Um, But I said, well, that's simple, because I'm a conservative. And she's like, well, why are you not a Democrat? I said, well, quite simply— a, the Democrats hold black people down and they just use trick tactics to keep them in the same mindset that you're in right now. And, well, Trump's racist. I said, well, that's funny. I said, funny you should say that. I said, because I can pull up picture after picture after picture of President Trump with a black person long before he became president. Many of the same black people that are now calling him racist, many of those same people that are calling him racist, he funded their presidential campaigns. He funded their organizations. He did all of this for the black communities way back in the 90s, way before anyone called him a racist. I said, so I say again, don't believe everything you hear. Find out for yourself. And more importantly, 
don't judge me or bash me because of my views, because I'm not going to bash you or judge you for your views. I don't agree with them, but I will express why I think a certain way. So then she went right back to the, the whole shooting of the guy at the swatting incident was police's fault, and it was untrained police that did it. And I told her, I said, listen, given the fact and given the information that those police officers were given, I can't say I would have re- reacted any differently based on the information I had at the scene. So then I love when people don't know anything about policing, but assume they do. But then she says, well, they could have searched the house to see if anything was going on. I said, well, here's a problem. A, police don't have x-ray vision. This isn't Superman. This isn't the movies. And I said, and B, there was an individual at the door that was a male who they were told was armed with a gun. So how were they going to check the inside of that house without getting past the male at the door that they believed was armed with a gun? So then she says, well, police should have known the call came from L.A. and it was in Wichita. I said, well, first, A, people have the same phone numbers that they've had for years. I had a 615 number for years after I moved to Atlanta. I finally changed it to 770 at some point, only because the gate code access to my apartment needed a local number. I changed it. I said, so that is really irrelevant. I said, or... They didn't have time to verify that because really they're still getting a call, a live call of guns, fires, hostages, dead bodies. They don't have time to say, well, wow, this call is coming from L.A. So we're we're not really going to send anybody over there. We're just going to pretend it's a prank. So what I did, there's this thing that's been out for years called spoofing, where you can get an app, spoof a number. To make it look like you're calling from somewhere. So while she's sitting at her desk, I spoofed it and made a call from my phone to her phone. And it appeared to be Wichita, Kansas, because she said, I don't know anyone from Wichita. I said, oh, why don't you answer that? So when she answered, I said, yeah, it's just that easy. So don't assume that, you know, policing just based on what you see on your local and your national mainstream media. Don't assume it. Now, back to police appreciation. Why do I appreciate police? Well, A, call me a little biased. I've done the job. I know the dangers of the job. I know it's the one job where you can leave home, not know if you're going to see your family again. Your family not know if they're going to get that knock on the door. It's one of those jobs where at any given second, things can go from normal to oh shit, In about two seconds, right? There's nothing routine in policing. I don't care what kind of call it is from a traffic stop, a cat in the hat, a cat in the tree, a missing person. Anything that a police officer responds to can go deadly within seconds. That's why I appreciate the men and women in blue to have the testicular fortitude to even do that job because that job is not for everybody but everybody wants to criticize it. Prime example. Today, today, this morning, in Santa Clarita, California, a detective was stabbed in the chest simply because he was law enforcement. He was at a jack-in-the-box. He walked out of the jack-in-the-box. Individual walks up to him and says, Hey, 
Are you law enforcement? I assume this detective was in plain clothes. The officer said, yes, I am. So guess what the guy did? He stabbed him in the chest and he ran. So they caught the guy after a two-hour manhunt, 21-year-old Donald Chinchilla. Just because he was a police officer, he got stabbed in the chest. Now think about this. I said it earlier at the beginning of the show. If you're at your corporate job and someone walks in and says, hey, are you the secretary? Yes, I am. They're not going to stab you in the chest. They're not going to pull out a gun and shoot you. Hey, are you the janitor? Why, yes, I am. Bow, bow, bow. Oh, why'd you shoot me? Well, because you're the janitor. Police, that's the only job this happens in. It happens only in policing. No other job. No other job. Okay, all right, all right. Maybe gas station attendant. You may get shot for being a gas station attendant only because someone's trying to rob that gas station or that mini mart of the store. Okay, okay. But in theory, no other job requires that. No other job, you're you're coming out of a jack-in-the-box. You're just eating your lunch or just picked up your lunch. You're trying to eat because, yes, police officers eat too, right? Police have to eat too. Pick up your lunch. You're walking back to your car. Hey, you the police? Yeah. I'm sure this officer's thinking maybe he has a crime to report. Maybe he has a tip he needs to report. Yes, sir, I am a police officer. How may I assist you? You can't. I'm going to try to kill you. Walk out. It doesn't happen anywhere else. But yet, nobody appreciates it. Are you serious? Listen, and I mean this with, with everything I have. Anyone under the sound of my voice should have an appreciation for law enforcement. They should have an appreciation for a man or a woman to be willing to go out regardless of your race, regardless of how you feel about them, regardless of your political views, regardless of how much money you make, regardless of your religious views, regardless of whether you're gay, lesbian, transsexual, you name it, regardless of all of that, an individual that if the stuff hit the fan and shots started ringing out and bullets started flying, would push you out of harm's way. Not only push you out of harm's way, but run to that danger to try to eliminate that threat. With the mindset of, I know I'm running to danger, I know my life could end at any second, but my job is to protect and serve. My job, the fine print of the job description, the invisible print of the job description, my job is to put my life on the line for a perfect stranger and be willing to die for that perfect stranger. Anybody under the sound of my voice should have an appreciation for the men and women in law enforcement. And if you don't, all I can say is God help you because there will come a time when you have to make that call for law enforcement. There will come a time when law enforcement is there for you, even when you don't want them to be. Let's say you have a traffic accident. You ain't calling Ghostbusters.
you're calling the police. Let's say someone breaks in your house. You're not calling Jesus. You're calling the police. There will come a time where anybody that has an issue with police will have to deal with police. And I assure you that the police officer is going to do their job professionally at all times. Even when it doesn't look professional because someone resisted arrest and the officer had to use the amount of force necessary to affect the arrest. Even when it, even when it doesn't look professional, I assure you, police are acting professional at all times. And I appreciate every one of them. I appreciate the 125 that gave the ultimate sacrifice last year, protecting and serving. And with that, it is time for my 10-7 segment. And I want to discuss Officer Daniel, Deputy Sheriff Daniel A. McCartney, Pierce County Sheriff's Department, Pierce County, Washington. End of watch was January 8th, 2018, which was yesterday. Deputy Sheriff Daniel McCartney was shot and killed after responding to a burglary in progress near 45th Avenue, Court East, and 200th Street East, in Fredrickson at approximately 11.30 p.m., Deputy McCartney was the first officer on the scene and became engaged in a foot pursuit of at least one subject. The man opened fire on Deputy McCartney during the foot pursuit, mortally wounding him. Deputy McCartney was transported to St. Joseph's Medical Center where he passed away at approximately 2 a.m. One subject was found dead at the scene a second subject was arrested the following day after a massive manhunt. Deputy McCartney was a U.S. Navy veteran. He had served with the Pierce County Sheriff's Department for three years and had previously served with the Hoquan Police Department for six years. He was survived by his wife and three sons. I can tell you I appreciate on this Police Appreciation Day, I appreciate the efforts of Deputy Sheriff Daniel A. McCartney for attempting to protect and serve the community of Pierce County, Washington. I appreciate the fact that he was attempting to protect the residents of that burglary that led to his death. I want to thank you for listening. I appreciate you as always. And again, Happy birthday to me. God willing, I will wake up in the morning and I will see you next week right here, RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a Valor Hour Quick Fix on Radio Influence. We are joined by 2018 Knox County mayoral candidate Glenn Jacobs. But millions of WWE wrestling fans know him by another name, and that is Kane. It all kicks off May 1st with the Knox County mayoral primary. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about your entrance into this race and what led you to your decision to run. 
Well, sure. I mean, I've always been uh, interested in politics ever since I was really a little kid, I guess. Um, you know, and I look back at my life and the tremendous opportunities that I've had. Um, I failed a lot of things, frankly. You know, I was playing football in college, blew money out, and uh, couldn't play professional ball. Um, that opened another door for me into professional wrestling. Uh, this is the only place in the world you're able to accomplish things like that, you know, because we have the freedom to pursue the things that we're good at. And I often worry that my kids, my grandkids aren't going to have those sort of opportunities. So for someone like me, I think it's imperative that, um, that think about the next generation and protecting those opportunities for them. I mean, that's what the American dream is all about. And uh, that's really what it's about. You know, and I also believe that we pay so much attention to the federal government and, uh, the federal government is, is so far away, uh, you know, and um, so big and so powerful. But I think we discount how much control and power local government and state government has over our lives. Uh, and I believe that we can have a great deal of impact at those levels as well. Uh, you know, and in, in the end, it's uh, it's personally a good time for me to try something like this, you know, um, and I'm, I'm one of those people, I believe that you've been put on this planet, all of us, to try to leave it a better place than we found it. And that's what I'd like to try to do. The Valor Hour with Tim Loy and Casey Oxendine can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio and RadioInfluence.com. Oh.